Hello and welcome to The Mock Review with Ben and Drew. I'm Ben Garmo. And I'm Drew Evans. Well, Drew, week four of regionals is in the books. Case changes are out. We've got the case balance memorandum, and we are moving on to orcs. I know that the AMTA community is looking forward to eight great orcs over the next couple of weekends. But before we can get into all of that, before we can turn the calendar on the mock review over to orcs, we, of course, have nine more regionals that we have to talk about. We've gotten through the first 23 over our first three episodes. We got nine more to finish up this uh, episode before we can move on to orcs. So we're going to get to all of that in just a second. We do want to recap some of the things related to the case balance memo and the open bid list and talk about all of that stuff. Uh, But Drew, before we get into that, how are you feeling as we start to look towards orcs? I am really excited for us to start getting some orcs results. I think it's kind of crazy. um, Just like what a whirlwind of a time this is in the entire law school uh, and undergraduate world of mock trial. I mean, literally, we it, it's funny. My perspective on this is that we got the orcs case changes literally two days after the nationals case got released for Tyla. So I'm like reading nonstop cases all weekend and reviewing results. Like it's just, I mean, there's the open bid list to track. I, I think that this is a time when I think my friends start to worry, like, am I alive? Cause I just am <laughs> in my room, like pouring through cases and tab results. And I, I become kind of a little like gremlin in my room, just staring at my computer all day. So it's, it's a lot of fun to be a mock trial nerd who analyzes and loves to look at all of this stuff, but it is definitely uh, not the best time for my academic prowess. No, I completely understand. I am doing many of the same things. The uh, AAJ regionals is this coming weekend. We're recording this. We usually record these days on Tuesdays before our Friday release. And Thursday, Friday, Saturday is AAJ for for law school, then orcs. And then we've got teams going to the South Texas Challenge and the National Ethics Trial Competitions. We got teams going all over the place. UMBC A and B are going to two completely different areas of the country for orcs because sure, um and so you know life's a little crazy uh this time of year so before we get into the regionals though we did just want to talk for a moment we're not going to get into the case changes in great detail number one because they've only been out for a couple days we're still digging through them and also because both of us have teams going to orcs and we're not going to just broadcast our thoughts on the case changes to you know the hundreds of people who are listening but i did want to talk for a moment about case balance so i'm looking at the case balance memorandum which was released along with the orcs case changes and quoting directly from it, from the AMTA Analytics Committee. And it does say that during the fall invitational season, Felder v. Kohler Campbell Air had a plaintiff bias. uh, And then after the case changes, that bias actually got stronger. So overall, in all rounds, there was a 10% plaintiff advantage uh, during the invitational season. And in round three, which uh, the committee tracks, because it theoretically is supposed to be a fairly even matchup between the two teams paired in round three, the plaintiff bias actually increased to 11.7%. Um, those of us who've been out on the circuit competing with this case, I think everyone kind of feels this. I've had a lot of tab room conversations with a lot of coaches, the gist of which always ended up with all of the affirmative defenses suck. Um, in some form or another, oftentimes the analysis was a little bit more advanced than that. But that's sort of where everyone came back to. And so when the plaintiff is able to flip some of those and turn them around and do all this stuff, it resulted in this plaintiff bias. So I think a lot of the case changes, the new witness, which, of course, is defense locked, 
uh, as well as some of the other changes that were made are geared towards trying to reduce this balance and bring it back in line for orcs. Uh, Drew, I don't have a lot of specific thoughts on this, but I'm just curious for your thoughts on the bias that we've seen and how things are going to play out as we get to orcs. Yeah, I think that I'm glad you mentioned the case balance memo. I always find it so interesting. Um, I, I will say that, you know, I think they said it in the case balance and you obviously highlighted it, but this is one of the first times we've ever seen the plaintiff bias get worse over time. Um, and, and I just, it is really perplexing and I'm glad that you kind of mentioned it, but I think that as we saw with the case changes, there are definitely a lot of ammunition that was given to the defense. Um, and I think that for everyone that always cries and complains that the defense case is always screwed at the beginning of the year, I think there was definitely a little validation for some of them and they finally got some actually helpful changes for once. Um, and it was definitely exciting and, and a lot of fun, honestly, to read. But um, yeah, we've got a lot of regionals to get through. Um, I, I'm excited to go through them. One last thing I'll, I wanted to mention, though, before we go to them is the open bid list. Um, I just think that it's always, like I kind of mentioned before, like the tracking of it that happens. Um, I know that in, in our Discord, we had a few polls of how many teams are going to get off. Will four and a half teams make it? I obviously had an interest of whether Tulane was going to make it or not. It's looking uh, not. Um, as of right now, there's still a lot of open bids left to be offered, but 42 um, are the number of open bids to be offered. And I think it's somewhere in the like either 49 or 50 um, that you get to four and a half uh, teams. So looking like it's going to just be five win teams that are making it to orcs this year, um, which honestly I think is is fairly standard and and not too out of the usual. But um, yeah, if, if nothing else, Ben, I think, why don't you uh, start us at the first regional? Yeah, I will do that in just one second. I do just want to highlight one other thing as we go there, uh, and that's our Discord and our Patreon. Um, so first of all, because we've mentioned this at the end of a couple of our episodes, but I did want to take a second to thank our gold patrons at the beginning of our episode uh, today, just because we really appreciate all of those gold patrons. And, and as we've said before, this is the list of gold patrons who have chosen to be identified publicly on the show. Uh, we actually have about twice as many as we read, and we're really grateful to every single one of you. And those would be Don Martin, Ben Rathsom, Felix Bhattacharya, Henry Lehman, Kate Hainer-Slattery, Andrew Hinckley, Ian Lampert, the family of Daniel Sosa and Darius Baruch, and Mike Romano, as well as, like I said, some of our other gold patrons. Uh, the Discord has really been going on lately. We've had a lot of great conversations in there. We've actually seen I think just in the last couple of days, five or six new people join the Patreon, come into the Discord. We've had great conversations about the open bid list. Drew's been putting some really cool scenarios in there about like a team, an anonymous team A or team B, choose these teams. Uh, we've had great conversations and people have been able to get insight too, right? We had someone come in and, and they were trying to figure out some things related to demonstratives and what was mm -hmm. fair and what was allowed and the community was able to offer some thoughts and the person came back and said, hey, this was really helpful. So we're not just sort of spinning our wheels here. We do genuinely believe that whether you do it for free or do it for, you know, two bucks or five bucks, being a part of our community is worth it. And we're really excited that it's continuing to grow. Uh, Drew, I imagine that you share that sentiment and have been enjoying all of the conversations we've been having in Discord over the last couple of days. Yeah, honestly, I've I've loved it. It's been a fun way to engage with people and, and get to know what's going on in different regions. And I'm glad you actually highlighted that example, Ben, about the demonstratives. There have been a few things where people have been kind of asking, hey, you know, anyone have any perspective on this or what to do with that? And I, I think it's really cool. I, I, I love the idea that it can be kind of a quick hitter 
place where people can ask questions and get, um, at least in my opinion, um, pretty reliable answers from sources that are tend to be, um, whether it's us or, or other coaches that, that have been in the AMTA community for a little while, I feel like it might be an easy way for people that feel a little bit too intimidated to ask AMTA this question, um, a way for them to ask something and, and kind of get that answer pretty, pretty quickly. Um, we've had a few others. Um, I know there was some conversation about, you know, the rosters that are being submitted. Um, and, and I just, I, I like that we're kind of able to provide that for people and just in general. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm having a lot of fun. I keep posting different scenarios and polls for everyone. It's, you know, prediction season. So why not? We're in just about to start March madness. So it's like everyone's in that kind of craze right now. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's been a really really beneficial thing. I definitely have been just kind of kept it on in the background in whichever device that I'm using and chiming in when I can. So if you're out there and you've been thinking about jumping in and joining, we would love to have you. All right, we got nine regionals to roll through. Insert the normal disclaimer here that we're going to do our best to cover as much as we can, but obviously we're trying to keep these episodes a reasonable length, both for our sake, our editor's sake, and your sake. Uh, so let's go ahead and go up north to Buffalo. Buffalo had six bids. Those bids in order were Juniata A, seven wins and a 17 and a half CS. Yale A, seven wins and a 13 CS. Juniata B, six and a half wins and a 16 and a half CS. SUNY Binghamton B, six wins and a 15 and a half CS. Rochester A, five and a half wins and an 18 CS. Rochester B, five wins and a 22 and a half CS. And then we had three honorable mentions, and that would be Hamilton A, five wins and a 22 CS. SUNY Binghamton A, five wins and a 19 and a half CS and Hamilton B, five wins and a 15 CS. Um, a lot of really interesting things to break down here. Obviously, Juniata jumps right off the page with two out of the top three teams, along with Yale A. Uh, Juniata's A team, which would, had seven wins, um, looks like they their only loss was a split with SUNY Binghamton A, and Juniata B had a plus 28 and tie against Rochester A, and then the narrowest of splits against Rochester B, a classic plus one, minus one. Um, impressive showing here from Yale. Uh, impressive from SUNY Binghamton to to get one bid out and then a second bid, which I believe is comfortably going to get off the open bid list. Uh, and then, you know, seeing Hamilton not on the earned bid list is a little bit surprising. But their A-team obviously had a 22 CS, had a really, really tough schedule. I think both of those teams, well, five wins and a 50. Yeah, if I, I think both those teams will end up getting off the open bid list. Mm -hmm. um, and then the last thing I'll highlight, Drew, is just seeing, we see so many teams on the honorable mention list with high CSs, but seeing Rochester B get a bid with a 22 and a half CS is incredibly impressive. They had to play Juniata B who got a bid, Yale A who got a bid, and Hamilton B who got it, who went five and three. So good on them to play such a brutal schedule and still be walking away with a trophy. Uh, what did I miss here in Buffalo? Uh, not much. I, I got to say, I think you covered a lot of it. I'm glad that you highlighted some of those high CSs. I certainly was going to. Um, I think that it, you need to take a moment to appreciate what it means to have five wins and a 22 or a 22 and a half CS. That means that to a certain extent, you're pretty much the only teams that the only ballots that those teams are losing to like, they're pretty much winning out except for their rounds with you. Um, it's, it's almost, you, when you look at it, you're almost like, how did this happen? It, it's really crazy to think that it happened to two teams in the same region, but they went through the absolute mill and came out of it with bids. And that is, is really great to see. 
And I think that both Rochester and Hamilton are great programs. So it is good to see that they will be, you know, making it to orcs. I actually will say that specifically with Rochester, I think they're really interesting because they're one of those programs that I, at least in my mind, kind of ebb and flow. And when I competed, they were really at a high where they would cons- pretty consistently get two teams to orcs. Um, oftentimes their A team would make it to nationals. Um, I remember that they've had uh, trial by combat competitors from Rochester and they're just a, a very solid program. And then they really petered off for a few years, but now it kind of looks like they're back. So I, I, I love seeing those resurgences. Um, it's always good to see. I do think that Hamilton, um, you know, they are kind of, they were just at nationals. They're such a, they, they just had done so well that for them to be an open bid is a little bit surprising. But again, as we've said, you know, that, that CS is kind of a good ex- explanation of why. The last program that I wanted to highlight though is Juniata. Um, they, I, I really don't understand how they've managed to do this, but they started as a program like maybe three or four years ago and pretty much every year they've gotten their A and B team through. Like I, I don't, I don't understand how, but they've just from the get go really had it down there and they're very consistent. They're very solid. I don't think that they've ever made it all the way to nationals yet. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong on that, but I don't think they have. So I'm um, looking here. It looks, I believe last year they were there. Okay, no, then I'm glad that you mentioned that. So last year they finally made it. Um, but I mean, they're really establishing themselves as a absolute force in this area. And, uh, you know, I love seeing teams that, you know, kind of come out of nowhere and grow into something. But God damn it, of course, it's on the East Coast. Like, can't get some of these teams like why can't they be sprouting up elsewhere but um it is definitely good to see and i think they've mostly covered it i think that um it is kind of funny to look at the bids and open bids and you know you look at it and say wow there are nine teams that are going to be moving on to orcs from this list but they're only from five programs you know it it, it really was a couple of programs being really really dominant um but i think that we've mostly covered it and i'll I'll toss it back to you if there's anything else you want to mention before we move on the only thing that i'll mention i think you you really went through it i will note the presence both of juniata b and suny binghamton b on this list um it's always interesting for me you know juniata a was at nationals last year juniata b is unranked um looking here suny binghamton a is ranked 89th, SUNY Binghamton B is unranked. Um, and so these are programs that are showing depth, right? That they, they, they're programs that consistently have an A team that gets to nationals on a regular basis. Um, I'm not entirely sure. I'm checking here as we go about Hamilton. So Hamilton B is ranked 206. Looks like they they didn't get to Orcs last year, but they did the two years before that. So to see all three of those programs have a B team that gets through, you already made the point about Rochester. It just really shows that so many of these programs are not just good, but are deep and strong and had a really impressive performance. Um, and the last thing that I'll mention, and then you should take us to Fresno, is of course, I feel like our podcasting card would get revoked if we didn't talk mm-hmm. a little bit more about Yale A, because I know that people are always disappointed and think we don't talk enough about Yale as a program. And so let me just say, Yale had a really impressive weekend. Their only blemish was a split with Hamilton A. And, you know, it's Yale A. They're, I will say this. You could make the argument that Yale was flying a little bit under the radar this year. That like, mm-hmm. you know, last year they broke the streak of not appearing in the national final round, but they had a very strong nationals performance and they've had a good year, but maybe they haven't been like at the top of, of a ton of tournaments. But I mean, are you ever really going to bet against them? I certainly am not. So strong performance, strong start for Yale here. And that's all I got on this one, Drew. 
Yeah, I think that that just about covers it. Yeah, I was going to try to break my own streak of actually not mentioning the words Yale A when they come <laughs> into a region. I think that that uh, was almost the first time. Um, but the last thing I'll say before we move on is I just I would encourage people to like look at this tab summary because it's just I, I find it to be fascinating. But when you look at like Rochester B, they had three rounds that were decided by one ballot. Like, and again, with that five and three, 22 and a half CS, like it just, it, it's, it is astounding to me how close so many of those rounds must have been. And again, such good teams. And like, it's just, I mean, it's a lot of fun. I'm nerding out a little bit right now, but it's, <laughs> it's a very fun tab to look at, but I think let's go ahead and move on to Fresno. Um, I, I think that like, before I even get into Fresno, I want to just note that this next region was unfair. It was wrong. And we're going to talk about it, but Fresno had five bids. And I think that there were probably 10 teams that deserved to make it out, but let's talk about it. So as I just said, Fresno had five bids and they were in order. UC Santa Barbara, a with eight wins and a 14 CS, then Arizona state a with seven wins and a 16 CS followed by UC Berkeley C with six wins and an 18 CS, then Stanford a with six wins and a 16 and a half CS. And finally UC Irvine B with five and a half wins and a 14 CS. We also had two honorable mention teams, Stanford B with five wins and a 19 CS, and UCLA E with five wins and a 14 CS. Okay, so why did I give that disclaimer? So Fresno was a little bit interesting for those that don't know this, but um, obviously California doesn't experience snow very often, and they were experiencing a pretty big snowstorm that weekend and my understanding is that there were a good number of teams that had to drop out and if you look at the change log you'll notice that there were probably four or five different programs that that dropped out that week and i think it had a lot to do with them literally not being comfortable driving and or making it um into fresno through all of that snow um as a result of that a a region that probably should have had that, that did have six bids before drop down to five. I think they, you know, it, at one point maybe have even projected for seven. I don't know if that's true or not, but it, it looks like it with just the power that they have. But I think that the reason why I said what I said at the beginning is that when you look at the teams that didn't make it, that's when you start to realize, holy cow, this region's kind of crazy. Uh, so we have both UC Davis A and B, um, who are both very strong. Neither of them make it out. Neither of them will be making it to orcs you know their a team went four and four um we had berkeley's d team um you know that went four and oh the first day and oh and four the second day and isn't going to make it obviously it would have turned into a open bit anyway but still a very very strong program um we have uh uc santa cruz a and b neither of their teams are making it out um we have a USC team that's very good that's not making it out. We have UC Santa Barbara B that's not making it out. I mean, it's just, I don't know. I, I look at this region and I'm like, what what happened? Who 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 hurt somebody to, to create this region? Um, it, it really just looks awful. Um, but to highlight the teams that did make it out, look, the fact that Santa Barbara made it through with eight wins in this region is is an insanely impressive accomplishment. Um, I think that that's huge for them. They're obviously a very impressive program and I expect 
big things from them. Uh, Arizona State, we've kind of highlighted them before. The fact that they've now gone five for five with their teams is a very, very rare and very impressive accomplishment. And their A team definitely showed up when they needed to. Um, They actually did not lose a single ballot the whole time. They had two ties. That's where they get to seven wins. Um, So just shows their dominance. And again, in such a difficult region. And I will say that I wanted to highlight they had a very fun round three where you got Stanford A and Arizona State A. And man, do I wish I could have been in that round. It was as close as you would expect it, though, at a plus one and a tie in favor of Arizona State. Uh, Don't get much closer than that. Um, but obviously Stanford A still pretty, pretty good and and makes it out nonetheless. Um, yeah, look, I, I could go on about how insanely difficult this region was. Um, I My heart goes out to the programs that aren't making it through. And I'll, I just wanted to highlight, because I'm going to talk about this a little bit more later, but a total of seven teams from Fresno will be going on to Orcs. And I want you to remember that number because we're going to talk about some other regions that I'm just going to say it, were a lot weaker that have pretty much the same number of teams going to orcs. And I think that's a problem. And I think it's something that really needs to be addressed because this this region is insanely difficult. Santa Barbara A, Arizona State A, and, and Stanford A are A teams from really excellent programs that I expect all will be at nationals. And then you've got B and C teams from programs like Irvine, Berkeley, UCLA like uh, it's just I don't know Uh, it's it's an insane region and Ben I'll toss it to you because I don't want to ramble but my goodness glad I wasn't there yeah I mean I think you make a lot of really good points Um, you highlighted a lot of the important things from this regional you know I totally agree with you that Stanford a Arizona State a round it's like that is what the round three high, high pairing is designed to produce. Um, and so as I say that, I should, okay, that was round three. Good. I'm glad I'm yeah. <laughs> checking that. But like, that's, that's what round three is designed to do. It's designed to put the two, you know, top teams or two of the top teams against one another. And obviously at this regional, it successfully did that. And you see this unbelievably close trial between these two elite teams. Look, we could have an entire episode where we talk about some of the geographic concerns that that exist in AMTA right now. You know, we joke about you know some of the East Coast power and the West Coast power, but the reality is that there are there's jokes with some truth behind them, and it's like you know all of these California and West Coast schools that are so geographically spread out and kind of have to come together in these different California and Arizona and Nevada regionals and stuff like that. Yeah, those regionals are going to be really really hard. And it would be a really interesting conversation for another episode about like, does there need to be a system where we take into account the power at a regional? Um, I I know that when we were online, AMTA did their best to balance things. And obviously, it's harder to do that now being in person. But it is difficult. And you're right. You know, when you're looking at a system where Stanford B is not getting a B, Stanford B is not getting a bid, Davis isn't getting out. Um, like you were talking about, and then just some of these other teams that, that really had to fight through such a brutal schedule. Um, cause what this, so this was Irvine B and C, um, and you certainly, you know, B gets a bid, but, but C doesn't. And, and, you know, it's just generally, I'm sure as a, you know, if you're a newer team, it's much, much, much harder to get established at a regional like this one. And, and it's just nearly impossible to get through a regional with, like this one without having to play multiple elite teams. The only other thing I'll add is, is I 
totally agree with you about Arizona State. Um, I'm just sort of glancing at their Instagram as we're going here, and and I believe this is five for five for them. And that's mm-hmm. just any time that any program pulls off four for four or five for five. I mean, that's just unbelievable. That takes so much depth, so much skill, so much talent and effort. Um, I just I'm almost like at a loss for words when I see stuff like mm-hmm. that. That's such an impressive program accomplishment. Uh, that's all I've really got here, Drew. Anything else before we uh, go over to Lawrence? So the the thing I just want to highlight for people that are like, oh, but, you know, it's not that bad. Like the thing I want to explain to you is that what made this regional so difficult is that the like, I think that most regionals have a good number of what we would call kind of no power teams where they are almost like, I, I don't want this to come across the wrong way, but kind of like almost cannon fodder and like. They kind of routinely just don't do particularly well, but like this region did not have any of those. Every single team that was here for the most part was really, really good. And you had, and because it became so small with all those dropouts, it it, it was just an impossible field. Like you're, you're, everyone is going to have to face all these other really good teams. And it, it starts to look like an orcs from the perspective of like you end up facing one or two teams that made it to nationals and then one or two like B or C teams from teams that make it to nationals. Like it's just, it's insane. It's really difficult. And I think that it has created a huge problem. When you look at the orcs right now that we have, there are a bunch of open bids in the Santa Monica orc. And like, I know that we always talk about, Oh, we need a second. Uh, we, we maybe need a second West Coast orcs that like, I know that's been discussed and people are going to use this as evidence of, oh, but look at how many open bids there are. There are they're going to be sending Midwest and East Coast teams out to the West Coast. Like it doesn't make sense. The reason why we have too many open bids there is that, you know, call it what you will, but there weren't enough bids given at their regionals for all these really talented and, and impressive teams to get bids. I mean, I, I very confidently am saying that if you threw some of the teams that went four and four or three and five at Fresno, they would have gone five and three, six and two, seven and one at, at, at another region, whether it's the East coast, whether it's the Midwest, it doesn't matter. They are just really, really good. I, I know from, from people that were there, I know from personal experience, these are really good programs that got a really raw deal. And I, I, I agree, Ben, we could do a whole episode about how to, how we can potentially suggest and hopefully try to fix it eventually. But I just want to highlight for people that this was just a absolutely brutal regional. And I think that in the, when there, when the changes were made to orcs that Justin Bernstein did like two or three years ago, um, it was a lot because there were a few case study examples where you could look at and be like, wow, this system is not working. Such and such team had too hard of a schedule. This is not what we want. We need to fix it. I am of the belief that if there is any regional that can be that case study to advocate for us fixing regionals in some way, it's this Fresno region. This is just not what we want for our regions from the perspective of too many teams that deserve bids not getting them. And I just, I don't know. I I think that it needs to be fixed and I I hope that we can. Um, But my goodness, good good on the teams that made it out and to the teams that didn't, I'm, I'm truly sorry for you. Well, I think this conversation will continue as we go to our next regional because it's very similar to 
uh, some of the things that we were discussing. So I'm going to go ahead and take us there. Uh, and that regional would be the Lawrence, Kansas regional. This was a three bid regional. Those three bids in order were Kansas A with seven wins and a 13 and a half CS, Creighton A with seven wins and a 12 CS, and Iowa A with seven wins and an 11 and a half CS. Three honorable mentions here were Kansas State A, six wins and an 11 CS, Washburn A, six wins and a 10 CS, and Nebraska A, five wins and a 21 and a half CS. Uh, I don't want to spend a ton of time on this regional because number one, uh, these are all strong teams. I think the the strongest program, if you kind of look at the page that kind of jumps out is Iowa, you know, a team that's typically at nationals has such a storied history in AMTA. And they, of course, had a very um, impressive weekend and are going to be at orcs like usual. Uh, it's just hard to take too much from a regional like this. This was 13 teams plus a buy bust, same size as the East Lansing one that, that we talked about two weeks ago. And when I talked about that regional, I made the point that it felt silly to go below four bids because you're fourth quote unquote off bid is just going to become an open bid anyways. That's exactly what happened, right? You get a six win team. This, this regional adds two six win teams to the open bid list. And understandably with a, a regional of this size, you see a major, uh, sort of like extremes in CS. So the, there was no team between 13 and a half and 18 and a half CS. So no team 14 to 18, nowhere anywhere in that range in terms of CSs. So you either had a pretty easy path, like the top five teams on this list, or you had a brutal path. There was no in between, right? If you say like, I feel like a 15 to 16 CS is kind of the sweet spot where you just like, you know, that's like, okay, you hit a good team, a solid team and some weaker teams. And, and we kind of, you know, maybe that's kind of what you're going for. This regional didn't produce any of that. Um, in terms of the actual results, Kansas and Iowa played each other and split. Those, those were their only losses. Um, Creighton split with Nebraska. So that was Creighton's only loss. Nebraska um, at five wins in 21 and a half will get off the open bid list with no problems. And I believe already has. So bottom line is, you know, Drew and I are not super familiar with all the programs on this list. So we're not going to try to speculate too much. Obviously, Iowa is is a strong program and Kansas has had some very strong years. And and we played Washburn a couple of years ago at regionals and they, and they were definitely a good team. Uh, but it's just hard to know too much when you have a regional like this where there's only 13 teams plus a buy bust and trying to figure out what to do with that. So, Drew, I'm sure you have some thoughts on that. I'll kick it over to you. All right. So I, I want to note that you know, ben, men kind of alluded to the, the conversation about Fresno continuing here. As I said at Fresno, with as difficult as a region as that was, a total of seven teams between the bids given and the open bids were going to make it. And actually, if you look at it, you know, you're losing Berkeley C and UCLA E. So it's really five teams and Arizona State A, you know, that's effectively an open bid, you know, effectively five Four teams are are making it uh, from that regional to to orcs based on that. You know, four or five depends on what you're going to call Arizona State A. Um, Lawrence has six teams that are all going to make it to orcs, um, despite it being a 13 team regional that did not have a single team that was at nationals last year, and their their top team, as you said, was Iowa, whose TPR is is 60. I mean, they're they're good. But you compare that to to Fresno, who has Stanford at 10, who has, you know, teams from Berkeley, whose A team is ranked 13th from UC, you know, the E team from UCLA. Like, 
I'm just, I'm, I, I don't understand. I think that you, these are perfect regionals to contrast because it feels like they are just not the same thing. I mean, if you look at what the teams that are coming out of Fresno, you're going to have three of them that are going to be a group teams. And there's not a single A group team from an Orcs perspective coming out of Lawrence. I don't. I. I, I don't like that. I mean, the, the the five teams, the the three teams that bid and the first two honorable mentions, with the the exception of Kansas facing Iowa, those teams just did not face any other Orcs caliber teams in order to make it. And I'm not. I'm not saying that they don't deserve to be there, but like. We just have to be able to look at those two regions and say, like, one is not like the other. And look, to the programs that made it out of Lawrence, Kansas, Creighton, Iowa, Kansas State, Washburn, Nebraska, good on you. I'm excited to see what you guys do at Orcs. Hell, go make it to nationals and prove me wrong. But I'm just, it, it, on paper, I think that these regions look super problematic and just not fair. And if I were a program at Fresno looking at Lawrence, I would be looking at my budget and saying, you know, look, what's it going to take for us to go to Lawrence next year? Because I, I just don't think it, it seems fair to power. Like, I get the geographic constraints, but like, we just have to do better. Like, I don't think this seems balanced at all. And and I'm not trying to be hating on on the teams that are here. I just, I don't know. I I, I find it really problematic. And I think that it's such a perfect contrast with Fresno. I don't have a whole lot else, Ben. I think you kind of covered it. Like, I agree that it's a small region. I mean, look, 13 teams, six of them making it out. Half of this region is going to Oryx, essentially. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I just, that's not the proportion you get at any other region. And you don't have any, like, really top teams that are culling the field. It's just, it, it, it is not the same as the other regions. And I, I have a problem with it. I don't blame the teams that are there. I just think that Ampton needs to do something about these these tiny, tiny regionals. Yeah, I think the last thing I'll say, and then you should move us to Madison. I think yeah. your last point is a really good one. You know, six out of 13, basically half the field, you know, either on an earned bid or an open bid. Like six teams from a regional making it to Oryx is not unusual, but usually that regional is 24 teams. Mm-hmm. You know, like this past weekend, we hosted 24 teams in Owings Mills. And I think seven, uh, you know, six on an earned seven and the seventh on an open bid are going to go. That's a little bit under a third. That's a pretty reasonable proportion for regionals. But yeah, when you start to get to a point Just, where it's, it's about a fourth or about, it, yeah, it's yeah, about a fourth. Yeah, I mean. about a fourth. Uh, nobody put me on the podcast for my math skills. But <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that, that when you have a regional where basically half the teams are going to go to orcs, like you said, no slight on these teams. They, they, they can only control what they can right. control. And they went and won the ballots to get there and good on them. Um, it's a little strange. And, and we obviously, we understand this is a big country. Teams have budget constraints. AMTA has budget constraints, but it's, yeah, it's tough. I don't have anything else to say about it, Drew. I think yeah. you can go ahead and take us to Madison. No, let, we'll keep moving. I'm, I'm, I'll save my rant for later, but if you want my, my unfiltered and longer winded thoughts. Wait, you'll save your, ra- that wasn't your rant? You know, I've got Ben, trust me, I could, we could do a two hour episode just about. Yeah. I'm sure that's exactly what people want. Exactly. You know what? And maybe we will. Um, okay. But let's, let's keep going. Uh, for now, we're going to go to the Madison regional. Um, this was a six bid regional. So wipe your brows folks. Um, (laughs) um, in order we had Chicago B with seven wins and a 15 CS and I got to go to OCS too. 
a 72 OCS because they were directly followed by Wisconsin Madison B with seven wins, a 15 CS and a 68 OCS. Then McAllister A with six wins, an 18 CS. And we're going to OCS again, yeah. 74 OCS. It's a three win. And then, oh my goodness. And then Minnesota A, six wins, an 18 CS and a 65 OCS. And then Drake A with six wins, an 18 CS and a 64 OCS. And if I have to say S again, I'm going to lop my tongue off. <laughs> uh, but our sixth and final bid out was Bethany Lutheran A with six wins and a 12 CS. We had four honorable mentions, starting with Carlton A, five wins and a 19 CS. Loyola Chicago B with five wins and an 18 CS. Minnesota B, five wins and a 17 CS. And God damn it, another OCS going to 75 OCS and St. Olaf A, who had five wins, a 17 CS and a 59 OCS. My when, goodness. When you said it, I was like, oh, he hasn't gotten to the honorable mentions yet. <laughs> oh, goodness me. I, I got to say, I think that's a record for the most tiebreakers that needed to be settled yeah. with OCS. Yeah. It's just got to be. Um, I Look, I, I want to start with the thing that I think, I think a lot of people's biggest shock in the first week was when Wisconsin A didn't make it out. And I have to believe that that A team and Kate Hayner Slattery and the rest of their coaches went to the B team and was like, okay, guys, like you need to show up, you need to kick some butt, and you need to show them that Wisconsin belongs at Orcs. And they did. Their B team went out there, had an amazing showing, again, only missing out on that first spot by a OC, by four OCS points, which, you know, who cares? Um, but I mean, what a showing out of them. Really, really good. Their only loss was to uh, 1275 Carlton, who was another team that's going to be going to Orcs. A, a very impressive weekend out of Wisconsin. Um, some very impressive wins in there. You know, a respectable CS. Like, I, you know, I'm just really happy that they're actually making it through. Um, I will say that, you know, Chicago B coming in first in this Orcs, like, or this region, sorry, um, you know, shocks everybody but uh you know they're they're pretty good over there um, i was talking to sam a lot over the weekend because this is when uh a few of my students that are on their team now were competing and uh, really happy for them to have finally gone to their first region um their team only went four and four but still very proud of them and happy for for chicago um other than that i think that this is a lot of kind of usual um you know midwest powerhouses whether it's McAllister, minnesota Drake. Um, I will say that Bethany Lutheran, um, I had never heard of before, and they are an unranked team, and them getting six wins is definitely, you know, a, a, a bit of a surprise. Um, I, I Again, I don't know enough about the region to know whether they've been really on the rise recently or what, but they had a, you know, an impressive split with Loyola, um, the Loyola B team, I should say, um, in their round three, though, and then uh, their round four was against St. Olaf's, and that St. Olaf A, I mean, that's two teams that are both going to Orcs and they split them both. So, I mean, it's not that they had a, a total cupcake schedule. Um, you know, excited to see what Bethany Lutheran can put together. But um, yeah, four open bids or four honorable mentions. And I'm very confident that all of them are going to be um, making it to Orcs. So a total of 10 teams out of Madison that are going to be represented at, at, uh, at Orcs. Definitely a lot. Um, but, you know, Definitely a, a fun regional, and like I said, I'm just elated for a few of those teams that, that everyone had their eye on and, and happy to see them 
moving on to orcs. But um, in, in the spirit of moving quickly, Ben, uh, I'll, I'll toss it over to you. Yeah, I don't have a ton of things to add. I'm really glad that you mentioned Wisconsin. I know I've, I've learned a little bit more there pro- about their program program over the last couple of weeks and months. I know that they've got uh, Aria Alton, who I believe was with mm-hmm. Vanderbilt uh, as a competitor and is now their witness coach. And my understanding has played a really big role um, in their success last year. And I know that that Aria and as well as Kate and and I believe Kate's brother, Brendan, and other folks work with the Wisconsin team and just like that team. I totally agree with your analysis that like I'm sure that team was on a mission to really prove what I think everybody knows, which is that Wisconsin A certainly deserves to be at Orcs. And it's really unfortunate that the open bid list is not going to get down to them just because, you know, it just it is what it is. I'm not going to get back into stuff we discussed weeks and weeks ago, <laughs> but anyone who's played Wisconsin this year just knows how good they are. Uh, Chicago's depth continues to be shown. Uh, McAllister, a consistently excellent Orcs program with a strong storied history in this community, really will be interested to see how they perform at Nationals or at Orcs. Similar with Minnesota, of course, you know, we haven't discussed this uh, yet on the podcast, but as of the show, I now know that I'm taking my A-team out to Minnesota for the Orcs hosted by McAllister. So I certainly have an eye on this regional because I believe all of these teams are heading to the orcs that that I will be taking my team to. So I'll be really interested to see how some of these teams perform. Carlton, uh, a pretty consistent orcs performer. And then you shouted out St. Olaf and Bethany Lutheran, uh, two teams who, of course, are unranked, but had success and will be going to orcs. And that's always super exciting uh, in order to just see those programs have some success. So I think, you know, I'm excited to get out to the Midwest uh, next weekend and just kind of learn a little bit more and play some of these teams that maybe we haven't had the opportunity to play before uh, teams like Minnesota and McAllister. You know, we see Chicago and Wisconsin periodically because they travel a lot. I think we've hit Minnesota here or there, but like McAllister, I'm not sure we've ever hit um, Carlton. I don't think we've ever hit. So I think that should be a lot of fun. Uh, I will note, uh, and this is not uh, suggesting that Minnesota is not excellent, but you saw a round two matchup between two of the strongest teams here, Chicago B and Minnesota A, you expect it to be like a, a really close trial. Chicago B gets both of those ballots by 20 plus. And so that's a, mm. just really shows the depth of Chicago. That program is not going anywhere. Uh, Drew, anything else here from Madison before we move forward to Owings Mills? The only other thing that I'll say is that I was informed that I needed to mention uh, that the the Chicago, uh, I think it's the Chicago C technically, the, their team. Um, that I had a few students of mine that were on. They had the highest CS there at uh, 21, and they just wanted to note that they had a very difficult CS. So um, not not the worst that we've had this weekend, but I think the only CS that was in the 20s at this uh, region. So, you know, sorry for them, but you go to Chicago, you'll be fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, I do think we've covered it for the most part, Ben. Um, if you want to go ahead and take us on to Owings Mills. Yep, sounds good. We'll head back to the great state of Maryland to the Owings Mills Regional, which was co-hosted by my team at UMBC, as well as our good friends at Stevenson. This was six bids in order. They were Brown B, seven wins and a 16 CS. Penn State A, six and a half wins and a 15 CS. Six uh, Georgetown A, six wins and a 15 and a half CS. Cornell A, five and a half wins and a 16 CS. UMBC B, five wins and an 18 CS and Stevenson B, five wins and a 16 CS. Your honorable mention here is Rutgers B, five wins and a 15 and a half CS. So I obviously was at this regional, um, so I'll just give a little bit of insight on what I saw. These are a lot of teams we're very familiar with. Uh, First of all, just got to be a little selfish here. 
so, so, so excited and proud for my B team kids. They have worked so hard. That is such a young team, eight out of nine members in their first year of mock trial, six freshmen. Like they have worked so hard. They scrapped and clawed and managed to get a ballot off of Georgetown A, who's such a good team and just managed to get like, like, uh, you know, during week two, we talked about or week three, I think when my when my A team, you know, was one point away from getting an earned bid, talked about sort of living and dying by the one point margin. Well, my B team did the same thing because my B team got that fifth win in round four uh, and it was a plus one. And so, like, you know, you live by the plus one, you die by the plus one. That's that's just how things go. Both my A and B end up with five wins in an 18 CS in D.C. That's not enough for an earn bid in Owings Mills. It's enough. So I'm really proud of my B team kids excited for Stevenson B. I know how hard that program works and that, you know, I love Melanie and and that whole crew over at Stevenson. And so I was so excited to see them. Uh, And then just four really really good programs at the top here brown having such a strong season very much a program to keep my eye keep your eye on penn state and georgetown consistent you know this region of the country northeast dc teams that are elite and strong and have you know such impressive showings year after year cornell we've talked about at length and just sort of how they were dominant and then they fell off for a little while good to see them continuing to be back at orcs i think they're a team that is going to be very good there. And then Rutgers on the open bid list. Um, you know, Rutgers, I think, has fallen off a little bit in recent years, but I know that their B team had a strong weekend, uh, an impressive showing overall. Only other thing I'll mention here, because Nat Warner, who was one of our Amter reps, mentioned this at closing ceremonies. We had a ton of splits at this regional. Some of it, I think, is some of the judges that I recruit that may have certain preferences. <laughs> but it also, I think, has to do with just how close the competition was, that the middle of this regional just had so many good a and b teams from strong northeast and general dc baltimore area programs and the rounds were just close and so you had judges who liked one thing or liked the other and then that results in a close split and you know that's just the way things go sometimes so i think a lot of interesting things here drew i'll kick it over to you what else did you pick up from owings mills so just quickly to your point about living and dying by the the plus one minus one um cornell b and we should note that Cornell's C team had already gotten a bid. So, you know, Cornell was sending two teams anyway, but Cornell's B team went four, three, and one, and they had a loss by one, another loss by one, and a tie. That's the difference in them going seven and one and four, three, and one. Uh, just, you know, kind of crazy when it's the, when so many rounds are that close. But to your point that you just said, clearly a very, very tight, very close regional. Um, I do want to quickly shout out the team that came in first at this region, Brown B. Um, you know, Brown has been really on a t- like absolute tear this regional. We talked about their A team and how they, you know, beat Harvard, um, effectively beat Harvard. Um, and now Brown B is coming in with a really solid showing. Um, and I, I will also mention that another of my students was here and he actually got an award. So Andrew, really, really proud of you, buddy. Um, but look, I think that Brown is showing that they are a serious threat. And I'm very, very glad that they are moved out of the DC orcs and back up to central Islip where they belong. You kind of mentioned it, but it's such a a tough region when you've got so many competitive teams, so many close rounds, so many splits. It's kind of why you'll notice that there aren't any like crazy high CSs. There weren't that many. Like there were no eight and no teams. One seven win team. Only two teams with six or, or three total with six or more. I mean, just a lot of teams sitting around the middle there. 
Um, and it, you know, it shows how tough it was, but I, I do want to lastly say that, you know, your B team, Stevenson's B team, Rutgers B team, all three of their A teams did not manage to make it out of the American, uh, the uh, Americans regional, um, in DC last week. And all three of their B teams showing up, picking up the slack, I should, I shouldn't really say slack, but you know, getting their own bid are you trying um, to make things difficult for me sorry 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 (laughs) sorry, sorry. you know what as as you said as you said it's the exact same record just was enough in one place and wasn't in another (laughs) but um but i mean that's really exciting for them and good for those uh you know both umbc stevenson and ruckers i'm very exciting for them and they're all programs that obviously ben knows quite intimately but i'm very familiar with as well and i'm very very excited for them all to be making it through Uh, and being represented in some way or another. But I I think that, you know, we don't want to harp too much on a region that just because we know it better. Um, Ben, I'll I'll toss it back to you before I move us forward. Yeah. Only other thing I'm going to mention, and then we should go down to Spartanburg, is I just, I mentioned Stevenson's B team, but I want to shout out Stevenson as a whole. I said this at closing ceremonies. Nobody runs, so so we co-host this regional. It's held at Stevenson. I handle all the judge and like amateur rep assistance and melanie snyder and her team at stevenson handle all of the uh building stuff all of the facilities and everything like that i'm just going to go out of limb and say nobody does that better than stevenson does did your regional hand you a goodie bag when you checked in it didn't well stevenson did because they had a parent of one of their coaches who put together like a goodie bag with snacks and essentials for everything that you needed did your regional have a box in tab that had a sewing kit ready for you no stevenson did because they're so have such an attention to detail that they take care of everything so i just really want to shout them out they did such an amazing job with all of the administrative stuff and i'm happy to sit back and like recruit some judges and take the credit but melanie and stevenson should get so much praise for the work that they did and with that drew i think you can take us to spartanburg I certainly will. I I will, you know, really quickly say, though, before I do, I I would love to see more regions do this kind of co-hosting thing that you guys are doing. I think it's kind of cool. And I feel like it would be a good way to encourage more programs to try their hand at hosting a regional. I think that especially when you have a, you know, a program like your own, Ben, where you have so many contacts, you know, so many judges, and you can kind of make that process a lot easier on people. um, I at least would imagine that it would make a lot of programs that maybe have the, you know, as Stevenson does clearly, the space and the ability to host, but maybe is, you know, hesitant for one reason or another, it could encourage them to do more. And look, as I mentioned, um, I think that there are a lot of things about regionals that I think need fixing and having more hosts and more people willing to host gives AMTA the flexibility to put the regions where they need to be in order to make it more balanced. So just shouting that out that I think it's cool that you guys do that. And it is a very one well-run regional. So enough, you know, boosting your ego. Let's, let's go ahead and move it on to Spartanburg. Um, in Spartanburg, we had six bids starting with William and Mary a with seven and a half wins and a 17 CS followed by Florida a with seven wins and a 14 CS then UNCA seven wins and a seven and a 12 CS followed by Georgia tech D with six and a half wins and a 16 and a half CS. And then Florida D with five and a half wins and a 17 and a half CS. And then Furman B, our last and final bid with five and a half wins and a 15 CS. Another one, though, with four honorable mentions, starting with UT Chattanooga A, five wins and a 20 CS. Georgia Tech C with five wins and an 18 and a half CS. Florida State A with five wins and a 17 and a half CS. And then Davidson C with five wins 
and a 15 and a half CS. So I, I think that it's kind of cool when you see two D teams both making it out. That's definitely always exciting and noteworthy. Good on Florida and Georgia Tech. Um, you know, two of those rare programs that it's not terribly surprising to see their D teams. They're just that deep and that good. And Georgia Tech, you know, it, it's funny, Ben, you mentioned Arizona State as going five for five. Georgia Tech's, uh, their C team was a half ballot away from going four for four. Um, and that really is very, very impressive too. Um, I don't, rec- I'm trying to remember, I honestly should have looked beforehand whether Florida's, Florida went four for four, or I think Florida has an E team. So I don't know if Florida went five for five or not, but they probably did. They're crazy good there too. I don't know, you know, someone correct me. I'm sure I, you know, maybe make a mistake, but they're really, really good. Um, and yeah, at the top here, William and Mary A, I mean, seven and a half wins from a very, very tough Spartanburg regional. Very impressive out of them. Um, not happy to see them moving into the Washington uh, orcs, but you know it is what it is. Um, Florida A, I just mentioned North Carolina A, though. I, you know UNC A. I feel like they are a like one of the ultimate ebbs and flows. I feel like sometimes they're going eight and zero at regionals, and other times they're going like three and five. Um, maybe they haven't gone three and five in a while, but I feel like. You kind of don't see them for a while and then they come back and, you know, it looks like they're doing pretty well going seven wins here, but anxious to see how they end up doing. Um, Their B team didn't make it out, but um, also had a a fairly solid showing. Um, I feel like this was kind of a lot of, of the teams that we come to expect. I'll say that it's a little surprising to me that Florida state a didn't get a straight through bid. Um, You know, they're pretty good, but um, just had a, you know, kind of a couple tough rounds, Got uh got swept by William and Mary A. You know, I kind of would have loved to see that round. I feel like that's kind of the the two. Well, I'm Florida A's there, so it's definitely two of the probably top three uh, teams there going head to head. Definitely would have been a fun one to watch. Um, but you know they'll be getting through on the open bid list, no problem. Um, I, I'll also mention I think Davidson C is a bit surprising. I don't know that I I don't think Davidson is ranked, but. Look, C teams are always impressive to be getting um, a bid. And even if it's an open bid, that's definitely very impressive out of them. And they had a, a, a solid weekend. Like, good for them. Um, I feel like I'm rambling. Ben, take over for me, please. <laughs> yeah, I think you pretty much covered most of it. I'll just, as you were you were talking about Davidson, Davidson at the end, I think they're a program that's come on a little bit. Um, they are ranked 136, but that is entirely based on four and a half wins at Orcs last year. It looks like they had not made it the two years prior. So they're not a program that we're as familiar with, but still a very impressive showing from their C team. Totally agree with you about William and Mary. Uh, you know, my B team's headed to DC, not my A team, but William and Mary, they're just always so clean, so friendly. I feel like their style is really portable. It can work in all areas of the country and they're just a really pleasant team to have around against. So glad to see them, them having success. Florida, Georgia Tech, two teams with just so much depth, so much strength, uh, so much ability to get C and D teams through, which consistently produces elite A and B teams. So like not even remotely surprising there. North Carolina, I agreed with, you know, I agree with you on that. I looked them up and they they are ranked. Um, I had it just a moment ago here. Uh, so yeah, North Carolina A is ranked 241st. It looks like they were at Orcs 
not this past year, but the year before. And they won a couple ballots two years ago at Oryx. So they, they've had some success, but, but not as much recent success. So definitely good to see them doing well. Um, and then I really agree with you about Florida State A, you know, a program that has had some, some really strong uh, performances lately um, over the last couple of years. They're the 41st ranked team in the country, but a little bit surprising to see them. I guess I won't say surprising to see them get swept by William and Mary. That's an understandable result. But then they split with Lee University in round four, which is a little surprising. I think they'll get off the open bid list with no problems, but definitely a little surprising not to see them get an earned bid. Uh, I guess the only other thing I'll mention here, then we can move on, is UT Chattanooga, um, a program that has had some historic success. We've talked about them very fondly on this show because when UMBC was just starting to make nationals, UT Chattanooga was also making nationals. They've had a little bit less success in recent years, but is, they're still very, very good. Um, and I think, you know, five wins, 20 CS. I, I don't have the open bid list in front of me, but I think that they'll easily be off the open bid list and a program that I definitely have my eye on. We always enjoy playing them whenever we happen to run into them. I don't have much else here, Drew. Anything else on your end? No, but I think you really covered it. I'm glad you you threw in UT Chattanooga. I mean, that they had a round two matchup with UNC, and they were the only ballot that UNC lost the whole weekend. So definitely a very encouraging result from them. Um, you know, I will say that they're getting swept in round three against Georgia Tech D, I think I would have expected Chattanooga to to do a little bit better that round. Um, they are typically a very, very strong program. But look, it's kind of a testament to how good Georgia Tech D is yeah. and how deep Georgia Tech has become lately that, that their D team is sweeping a program as good as Chattanooga. But glad to see that Chattanooga will be making it through and glad that you mentioned them. But why don't you go ahead and throw us down to Springfield? I think we're, we're, we're trying to stay on time and I think we can make it. <laughs> Yeah, and I think you make a really good point that you know not all C and D teams are created equal, and Georgia Tech, uh, Florida, Rhodes, Arizona State, UCLA, those are those programs where it's like usually if you hit a C or D team, you think okay they won't be bad, but you know they might be a little weaker. Not not those programs. Those programs you don't want anything to do with it. So we're going to go ahead and move uh, to our next regional, which is Springfield. This was four bids. Those four bids in order were Illinois B, seven wins and a nineteen and a half CS. Rhodes D, speaking of Rhodes' D team, seven wins and a 13 and a half CS. And I will go ahead and mimic Drew here and go to some OCS tie breaks. Uh, this is a seven wins, 13 and a half CS, and a 72 and a half OCS, followed very closely by Illinois A, seven wins, a 13 and a half CS, and a 71 OCS. And then finally, Wash U St. Louis A, five and a half wins and a 10 and a half CS. Our honorable mention here, because we haven't talked enough about Rhodes' depth, is Rhodes E with five wins and a 14 CS. Uh, yeah, I can dispose of the, the Rhodes talk pretty quickly. They've already got their two bids. So like these is this is just like another trophy to go in Rhodes' trophy courtroom, which is like, you know how like when sometimes you get a dish of pasta and it's like covered in sauce and you're like, you know, can I have some pasta with this sauce? I feel like Rhodes's courtroom is like, can I have a courtroom with these trophies? Like when you look at the pictures, it's like it doesn't look very big and the walls, it looks like a trophy hoarder courtroom. It's just absolutely absurd. So point of that being Rhodes gets to add another trophy to that courtroom. Congratulations to them. Very impressive showing here by Illinois. Not surprised at all uh, to see them do as well as they did. Uh, we played their B team last year in Cincinnati in round two at Orcs, and they played us real tough. So I think that they're a program. We actually scrimmaged them at Nationals back in 2017. So I know they've had some success over the last several years, and I think that they're a program to keep our eyes on. And then, Drew, you made this note as we were getting ready, and I think it's a really good one. Wash U is a team that has had a lot of success. They 
they beat us up pretty good at Gamte. They're a really, really strong team. A little bit of a weaker performance this weekend than you would expect. Of course, who knows, you know, judging if, if that had anything to do with it. But they uh, lost by one and tied to Mizzou A that didn't have the strongest weekend. Also split with Mizzou B. So they have this 10 and a half CS, but a PD of 97. So no one should underestimate WashU. WashU is really good. They have so much talent, but a little surprising maybe to see some of those results and some of those margins. Uh, Drew, what else did you pick up on here? Uh, I think that you really have covered it. One thing I just want to highlight for people, um, this was a region with 15 teams and, uh, you know, they had a buy buster to get it to 16. But, you know, we, we talked about it earlier with some of the other small regionals. You just get, you know, kind of weird round four pairings as a result. And, you know, I, I'm not familiar enough with this one to know, but there are just so many, you know, sets of two teams here, whether it's Missouri State, Rhodes, Mizzou, Illinois, Arkansas. Um, and when you have that many pairings of teams and you have only 15 teams there, it just it, it feels like the round four pairings get a little bit wacky and weird. And I, I don't know. I mean, the next two regionals that we do after this are kind of in the same boat. And I just want to highlight for people that definitely a little bit interesting, a little bit different um, with some of these really, really small ones and just something to kind of keep our eye on and keep aware of. Um, I will briefly say that Arkansas, you know, I kind of hyped them up a lot and I've been talking about them. Uh, it was definitely sad to see um, them not do quite as well. To be fair, this is their C and D team. And to be even fielding that many teams is impressive. But um, I mean, look, their C and D teams are going four and a half and three and five. I think that's pretty, pretty good. I mean, for a for a program that is still definitely on the rise in my mind, um, to have a C and D team doing very respectively, respectfully. Um, is definitely an impressive showing for them. But yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the Wash U thing. I, you know, I think that that round one loss and a tie and the loss by one, definitely like obviously a very, very close round, it looks like. And then the round three loss or the round three split, I should say, a plus 23 minus five, make of that as you will. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I think that Wash U is, is a team that I, I definitely was expecting to be a nationals contender. Um, they're really, really strong and have looked really good this year. So was expecting them to take an earlier one of those bids, but you know, when you got three teams getting seven wins, it can be tough to come in the top three. Yeah. And you know what? The only other point that I'll make about, about Wash U is I really think that it's important that we don't undersell Missouri for how strong they yeah. are. So like they've had a couple of really, really good years over the last couple of years. Um, and their A and B teams who were here had CSs of 18 and a half and 19 respectively, and just had really tough luck. And in round four, both had super close rounds that could have helped them possibly get off the open bid list. Um, especially Missouri A. This is one of those weekends that probably makes them want to pull their hair out. They're widest margin their entire weekend hmm. was a minus six they had a plus one tie minus two minus six tie plus three plus three minus two that's one of those scores where like mizzou could have gone missouri a could have gone seven and one on that schedule and it's just like for that like i guess i'll say i'm gonna adjust my analysis to say that i'm not the results for missouri a against wash ua do not really surprise me the results for missouri b i think you know, given Wash U's strength, uh, are a little bit surprising. But I think Missouri A having the schedule they did and to knock it out is a little bit of, of a surprise, uh, just given the strength that that program has shown over the last couple of years. 
Uh, but that to me, I think is really the only other thing that I picked up on here. So Drew, if you don't have anything else, I think you can go ahead and take us to Waco. Yeah, I, I just I'll lastly say that, you know, you mentioned it, but Illinois 14 and two is a program. Not bad. Yeah. Definitely not bad. Yeah. Um, very impressive and excited to see what they have coming. But let's let's keep it moving. I'm going to go to Waco, Texas with four bids, um, starting with Texas A&MA with a perfect eight wins and a 13 and a half CS, followed by Alabama A with seven wins and a 16 and a half CS, followed by Texas uh, Austin B with seven wins and a 16 CS, and then Baylor B with six wins and a 15 CS. We had two honorable mention teams, Texas Dallas B, five wins and a 16 CS, and then Trinity A with five wins and a 15 and a half CS. Um, so I'll start with Texas A&M coming at the top. I mean, look, going eight wins is always impressive. I don't believe that Texas A&M is like a you know, perennial powerhouse by any means of the imagination. Um, they're ranked 243rd. Um, haven't been to Orcs in the past two years. So to go 8-0 is, I mean, damn. I'm excited to see what they're going to put together. Um, Alabama A, I feel like always very consistent. Not surprised at all to see them taking the second bid out. If anything, surprised that their B team didn't um, make it out. Um, you know, I, I will say that Alabama B had one of the most interesting weekends I think I've ever seen a team have. Their first two rounds, they got swept in both brutal, brutal schedule facing uh, both Texas B um, that went seven and one and Texas A&M who went eight. No, you know, pretty much the two worst teams they could have drawn. And then their round three and four, they swept. But folks, you need to look at this tab to see that their round four was a plus 47 plus 84. I have been looking at tab summaries for I think six or seven years at least now. And I do not know that I've ever seen a plus 84. Uh, I just, I really briefly do want to mention that whoever judged that round, I assume you're not listening to this podcast, but if you are like, maybe check yourself. Yeah. I just don't see that being productive. Um, We kind of did the math. That's like, you know, if we assume the best, that is giving one team straight tens and the other team straight fours. I just don't see that amount of separation ever being productive for people. Like you can represent that you think one team is better without just like, I don't know. I just, I, I'm, I really struggle with that. I think it's just, it feels mean and vindictive at a certain point for you to be scoring someone down that much uh you know i don't know i i just i would be interested to hear what exactly happened there but that's just a that shouted it at me so i i had to mention it uh the last thing i'll say and, and then you know ben i'll throw it to you uh to that extent there were a lot of crazy point differentials here and i, I encourage people if they look at the tab report you'll see there were a lot of either above 100 or below 100 um which just not you know not what you always see. Um, and just, uh, you know, a, a lot, even the middle tier ones were a lot of really, really high PBs, um, which just, I don't know, very unusual. But the CSs were, were really, really neutral. The highest CS here was 19. The lowest was 13. So a really kind of the opposite of, of I forget which other regional you'd mentioned, Ben, that had kind of nothing in the middle. 
This one was everyone was in the middle. Um, just kind of an interesting result there. But Ben, I'll, I'll toss it over to you for, for a little more analysis. Yeah, you know, this is a smaller regional, so so there's not as much to talk about. Um, <laughs> I'm so glad you you highlighted that one judge. That's just nuts. You just, you know, the plus 47 is pushing it a little bit. But if, if you're under 50, it's not great, but like, all right, fine. But man, when you start to get into the 60, 70, 80 category, you're you're actively harming people. Um, and just I I don't know. I, we talk a lot about what AMTA should do with judges. I, I think AMTA should maybe check who who gives plus 80s and just kind of not have that person judge again in the future, because presumably the university who dealt with that has a lot of really difficult decisions to make about how they handle that. And yes, at regionals, we often see disparate rounds with with wide disparity in talent and ability and and knowledge and resources. And we can show that in our judging, but we don't have to do it like that. So I totally agree with every point that you made there. Uh, I think you really hit the big ones here. Texas A&M, a very, very good team. Uh, you know, a team that I think has had a lot of recent success. Um, I'm just kind of checking here as we go, um, just because I know that Texas A&M. Yeah, so they're ranked 243. So, okay. I remember them having success a couple of years ago. I, I seem to remember that maybe they got into nationals maybe four or five years ago. I could be wrong about that. So they they have, yeah, I think they, they had a year where they got in there, but they haven't been to Orcs the last two years. So very, very impressive on them to, to be back and to go eight wins. Um, Alabama, a really, really good team um, that I think really had like C and D teams who almost made it B teams, you know, the B team, obviously we were just talking about being, you know, having this really impressive showing against, uh, with very hardcore judges. So I think Alabama is a team to watch, you know, and then UT Austin, UT Dallas, Baylor, Trinity, just like good teams doing good things. Um, UT Dallas, I know kind of fluctuates a little bit, but it's typically very good. And we talked a lot about UT Austin last week when he talked about their A team, um, Drew, I see you just made a correction on our honorable yep. mention. So do you want to mention that really quick? Yeah, I, I, I apologize. Um, I, I actually misspoke. The Trinity team that made it was actually Trinity B. Um, it was Trinity's B team that made that honorable mention list at five and three. Um, so good on them. And I, I will say that I, I don't, I'm not familiar with Trinity. So good on them as a, as a program making. I think that their A team is 264th, made it to Orcs. Uh, three years ago and and took a half a ballot so uh, you know good to see them making it back and hopefully they can improve on their result from a few years ago but um, I think that you've mostly covered it Ben and I think that you can take us to our final regional if you want all right this is regional 32 of 32 we have made it through all of them and we are going to finish up this uh, schedule of regionals with Wheaton Wheaton was a four bid regional the bids in order were Hillsdale A, seven wins and a 19 and a half CS. Wheaton B, seven wins and a 13 and a half CS. Notre Dame A, six and a half wins and a 19 and a half CS. Wheaton A, six, five and a half wins and a 20 CS. And then two honorable mentions were Northern Illinois A, five wins and a 14 and a half CS. And Notre Dame B, five wins and a 12 and a half CS. Um, we don't have a ton here in terms of like surprises, you know, so like, Hillsdale at the top. Hillsdale's been such a strong program lately, not surprising at all. Then you get two Wheatons, two Notre Dames, and Northern Illinois. Notre Dame's a team that's really gotten better over the last couple of years. Shout out to friend of the pod and gold patron Henry Le- Henry Lehman, who I know coaches there. 
along mm-hmm. with some other really talented folks. Wheaton is a team that perennially is at orcs and, and occasionally makes the jump up to nationals. Northern Illinois is a program that we know and like really, really well and is typically an orcs program and a strong program at that. Um, and then Drew, I know you made the note here, um, and I think this is always a good one, that it looks like most of these teams that got bids played each other, which results in some of these higher CSs. You know, you had Wheaton B at 13 and a half, but the other three bids are all, all are there 19 and a half or 20 CSs. And, you know, that's a little bit more of like an orcs thing than a regionals thing to some degree, but that's kind of the way it should be, right? Like you, you want none of those teams to knock each other out if they're the best teams, but you want them to have to play each other. Uh, you want them to have that test and and go into orcs and us to have some results and and know what to think and and we got that here. Uh, you know, Wheaton, for example, um, had a very impressive. Their only losses as a program were to Notre Dame A and Hillsdale. Hillsdale had such a dominant weekend. Um, Notre Dame A had a very very strong weekend, and so it's just like, you know, a lot of interesting results here, and it'll be super interesting to see because I think what these teams I think are mostly going to Geneva. And so we'll see how they do at Geneva, which is going to be a very difficult orcs. Uh, Drew, I know you had a couple of other notes here to wrap us up, so I will kick it over to you. Awesome. I'll say that I think that the surprises here, if if we can even call them this, are really in some of the B teams, um, specifically Miami B and Michigan State B. Um, I feel like both of those teams, you know, um, I think Michigan State especially has been really uh, improving lately. Their A team has been very successful. Um, and then Miami's Miami. I mean, their A team goes eight no every single year at regionals um I, I think that those were a little bit surprising to not make it out but you look at the teams that did and you're like i mean who are they replacing they're not replacing hillsdale wheaton notre dame i mean it's a good good programs and i mean even the honorable mention list northern illinois very very solid glad to see them making it back and notre dame b notre dame's been so deep and so good lately glad you shouted them out um and look i mean wheaton Wheaton B that went with a 13 and a half CS, they still faced Notre Dame A and they split. I mean, they, you know, it's not, it's not by any stretch of the imagination that they had an easy time. Um, and look, Notre Dame A had to face Wheaton B and Wheaton A and they, they came through it pretty unscathed. But uh, look, I, I agree with what you said that I love it when we get all of those top teams facing each other, getting to kind of put each other through the ringer but they all still get to make it out. That's what we want to see. That's what we like to see. That's really good. I'll note a few kind of interesting tidbits here. Um, Wheaton A in their second round had a plus 35, plus 35. And just to the point of like interesting results, I kind of find it like I'm hoping that wasn't a single judge. And if it's two judges that both happened to find it as a plus 35, I just think that's kind of remarkable that you'd have that much disparity, but like be the same number. I don't know. Just kind of interesting. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to note was that we had a kind of weird thing happen where St. Olaf C was here and they, they apparently weren't there for the round one. You can see there's a little asterisk next to them. And it says that 1725 St. Olaf arrived for round two, only 16 teams participated in round one. And the result of this was that they actually had to create a bus team, which they called the Ghostbuster team, which I think is kind of funny. Um, and that that by bus team and St. Olaf's had a five and a half CS and a six and a half CS respectively. Um, they only faced three teams instead of four. So it's going to be a lot lower, but I just feel like that kind of throws off the, the CSs, the OCSs just kind of makes it all a little bit weird and funky. And I'm glad that I don't think it really impacted anything, but I just wanted to like mention that, that it's a little bit odd and I'll shout out the, the Ghostbusters team, um, which 
the the fact that they gave them a name, I, I almost wonder if it was like a certain program had enough people that they were able to make a team and like they had fun with it. But they went five and one five oh and one in their rounds. I mean, they they did very well. I mean, remember that the Vibus team is usually facing uh, the bottom of the bracket, but you know, their their round three was plus thirty one plus fifty seven. And from a buy bust, that's a that's a remarkable number. So just kind of some interesting results there. But it's been a long episode, Ben, and we have talked about a lot. So I don't want to drone on for too long. Uh, I'll toss it back to you if you've got anything else. No, I think you pretty much covered it. Uh, I'm glad that you noted the whole thing with uh, the buy bust coming in for rounds two through four. I can tell you from a from an amateur representative's perspective, I'm sure that made things very complicated, but it's still super interesting. And it sounds like whatever was going on with the buy bust, they decided to to have some fun over there. So just a an interesting uh, thing that happened, sort of an interesting footnote on this particular regional. But I think that as we're approaching the 80 minute mark, we can go ahead and wrap this episode up. We really appreciate everyone uh, listening during these regionals review episodes. Of course, we're not going to be releasing uh, episodes every week during orc season, although we will, of course, release uh, orcs analysis after each of the two weekends of orcs. Um, And before too long, right, we're going to have that nationals case. We'll have our 48 teams set for nationals. By the time everyone hears this episode on Friday, we'll be a week out from the start of the first orcs, which I'm sorry for everyone who I just caused like deep moral panic, um, including perhaps myself. Uh, but this has been a really exciting season. Be really interested to see how the case changes play out. And Drew, I'm just excited to get to Orcs, to get Orcs, orcs over with and to find out what's happening next. Hell yeah. I, I could not agree more. Let's do it. I can't wait for Orcs. Well, I can't wait for Orcs results, I should say. Yeah. I definitely can wait for Orcs. I can always but, wait for Orcs. <laughs> right. <laughs> But I think you you covered it. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, no, it, it's been a, a a lot of fun. This is yeah, I think our fifth year breaking down regionals, and we enjoy it every year. Uh, and we know that people enjoy listening as well. So thanks everyone for listening. We will be back in your feeds after week one of Orcs. Best of luck to everyone who is competing in the first six Orcs, which are the first weekend of Orcs. Until we talk to you again, this has been the Mock Review with Ben and Drew.